What does Jemapel mean again? My name is. Oh. Bonjour. Jemapel is who? Jemapel is what? Jemapel is huh? Chicka Chicka Slim Shady in French. Not quite. But no? I like where your head's at. Mm. Wouldn't Je m'appelle is be my yes. name is is? Okay. Well, okay. Technically, I think Je m'appelle is I'm called. It's I'm bald? I'm like called I is. I am called Jessica. Oh. Uh, great. <laughs> I should be ready. Okay. Like, sorry. I, I've, I've been dicking around a lot. Mason, never, never apologize. We're so happy you're doing this. You could stab me in the face and I'd say thank you. I would also say thank you. Uh, great. That, that, that lines up well with my plans today. <laughs> so. Hello and welcome to Birder, I Barely Know Her. The only birding podcast where I shoved a pizza in my mouth the moment we were about to start recording. I'm your host, Dewey, along with my co-host... Jessica Cristiano. You think that's the, this going, is the only podcast that does that? I think it's the only birding podcast where people oh. like eat pizza right before. I mean, unless Not there's like, some sort of like Doughboys, uh, Birder, I Barely Know Her hybrid I don't know about. Maybe there could be. Collab there coming could soon. Be. I would die. Am I also bantering here? Oh my here, god, or, or Mason, I, shut like, up. Did did I did I did I just crash a party? Uh, a talking about pizza party? Yeah, but we're gonna allow it, but we're not gonna introduce you for a minute. Um Why not? So you can talk. Okay, I that's mean, fine. If... That's fine. I'm gonna recede into the background. <laughs> no, it is yeah, no, we'll, we'll we'll introduce you. Uh here we have our guest internet personality, Mason Sperling. Mason, how's it going? Sorry, I, I did, I just don't know the decorum of this particular show yeah. enough to know when it was time to introduce, like to come in, and I didn't mean to horn in sooner than a guest is. No, supposed it's great. To. I love, I love your enthusiasm. You're, uh, you weren't sure, so you rushed okay. right in, which is always the safe thing to do. So, yeah. Well, it it felt in the moment it felt even weirder to allow banter to mm-hmm. pass while while you two may be expecting me to contribute <laughs> while just staying silent. Yeah. So. I I couldn't tell which one was the weirder choice, but I've made what choice at any at and any point. I think already, I think Jess so. and I are in agreement. We love the choice you made, so I, yeah, we're uh, okay, great, happy to perfect. have you. I think sometimes the the banter is a lot is a lot of pressure. The banter is a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially I, I when I know you're there, right and I'm like, and I'm like, I want Mason to be a part of this conversation. So <laughs> great, it's... perfect. Um, I do think that you're probably the only birding podcast that um, has a face full of pizza like seconds before recording. Yes. This. Um, I just like the market have that many competitors at the moment. So yeah, eat your heart out, Italy. Yeah, is that Italian is that birders. where you expect your competition to arise? I imagine it's either Italy, or New York. Or like They've got great towns. birds and pizza there, so it's yeah. it's only a matter of time. Jess, you've been to Italy. Yeah. I have. Notice any cool birds or pizza there? Um, I wasn't really looking at birds, I guess. Although in Milan, I did see a lot of pigeons. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. By the, uh, by the Duomo. What is the Duomo? It's like a, it's a cathedral. Church. Cathedral. Okay. So everyone's yeah. smarter than Dewey is what we're learning. Uh, yeah. I mean, no. there's more criteria to smarts than knowing what one cathedral is in Florence, but you know. I don't know. That was pretty big for my geography class in high school. So yeah. That's fair. Sorry. Wait, wait, Mason, have you been to Italy? 
I have, yeah. I've also been to the Il Duomo. Um, you know, now that I say it, like, Jess, are there other cathedrals in Italy called Duomo, or is there only one? Um, I thought there were more than one, but I might be wrong. Feels like there should be two. Because whatever I was at... I, I trust you. You're Italian. I know there is one in Florence, and I think that's the most pop, that's the most famous, but then what am I thinking of in Milan? I'm going to look it up. I was thinking of the one in Florence because that's the only one I've seen. Uh, but it is very good. I like it better than uh, Notre Dame in terms of uh, old cathedral yeah. styles in Europe. I don't Europe. think I've seen I mean, Notre Dame. Duomo just means cathedral. Yeah. So, so when I look one... it up, though, on the internet, the one in Florence does come up. Yeah, but mm. there, it's also, the one in Milan mm. is also called Duomo. Yeah, there's Duomo di Milano. Do you like the pigeons there? Were they, they were good pigeons? They were kind of scary. They were everywhere. What do you mean they, they were scary? Were, well, they... Somebody was, like, feeding them, so they were, like... They were really ter... They're probably, like, big and really yeah, used to people, not, too. There's a great scared. blue heron like that in L.A., which seems like a really big bird. There's, <laughs> there's one great blue heron that people have been feeding a ton, and he's really used to people. Uh, you can check out my Instagram to see how close I was able to get to him. Is that at the river? But, uh, That's no, it disarming. was at... Um, what's the fuck? It's at Peanut Lake... <laughs> What's which that? is not a real lake. It's it's like a little pond in um, Eugene V. Debs Park, um, which is like in like East L.A. area. And apparently, it's really bad gang activity at nighttime, so be careful. Um, but yeah, a bunch of people are feeding him, so he likes to hang out. So I got real close when he was practicing thermoregulation by sticking his wings out, and he looked like some pervert that was like flashing people because his his wings out like somebody with a trench coat, um, like that gremlin from Gremlins. That's what I thought about today when you you told me about the the red winged oh. <laughs> uh, blackbird oh, showing off. I'm a yeah. blackbird watcher. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, just kind of displaying their uh, sexual validity for the whole world. <laughs> Sorry, to you see. thought about um, you a thought gremlin? about a trench coat, or you thought specifically about the gremlin in the trench coat? The, just the idea of like uh, d- displaying yourself to the public, uh, f- just just to get a leg up in the dating yeah. pool, you know. Yeah, that's why flashes do it, right? They're like, this is going to get me a leg up in the dating pool. Yeah, I mean, I just think it, I think bird mates are just less critical of that kind of <laughs> thing, you know? That's fair. And the gremlin wears a trench coat? So he wears a trench coat and he flashes Kate, who is um, the female protagonist of gremlins, who has the little flashing camera. And because gremlins are sensitive to light, when she flashes them, he flies back. So okay. They were all in a bar getting drunk. The gremlins? Yeah. Which I don't recommend. I don't know if that's good for them biologically. I don't I know a lot about their... I guess I should see this movie. Uh... You haven't seen gremlins? Mm-mm. I've never even heard of this You've movie. You've never heard of <laughs> gremlins? <laughs> it sounds a little bit Mad Libsy to me. I'm not going to lie to you. The sequel is Mad Libsy. If you watch that Key and Peele sketch, there's a whole thing about it. It's like... Gremlins, it's, it's a great film. It's where the, like, don't feed them after midnight thing comes from. And, like, don't get yes. them wet. Never? 100%. Uh, I tell you what, wow. a lot of boyfriends keep up with that "don't get them wet" rule. Am I right? I They're really not I, doing I'm, a I'm good job. I'm living in ignorance. I'm really living in ignorance here. I I, get, I, I want to contribute to the Gremlins discourse. I just don't know how to comment on them as beings. Or... Yeah. So Gremlins, it's this, it's this wonderful film. I love it so much that I tried to make a fan film when I was six and I broke my wrist. He also has a poster um, in his bathroom. I do have a poster in my bathroom of Gremlins. So. Yeah, you may know it from my bathroom. <laughs> that might be where you're thinking of it. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, so it's, it's this, these little guys called the Mogwai. They're these little creatures from China. And you, uh, if you get them wet, they multiply. If you let, if you show them any sunlight, it will kill them. They'll like start burning like a vampire. But the worst thing, okay. don't ever, 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 not if they cry, not if they beg, feed them after midnight. Because if you do, Are they, they enter a larval state, or not a larval state, a pupil state. And they emerge from these cocoon as gremlins, which are evil green little monsters that love to kill and torture for fun. And then in the sequel, they get all sorts uh, okay, of Okay, so they're not gremlins. They're, they're mogwai, which mm-hmm. I assume is a translation of mogwai. Yes, because that means like demon, little demon or something. Gwai yeah. is like a is demon in Mandarin, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. So, okay, so, but mogwai are not... Evil. Well, here's the thing. They're, they're Gizmo, just, the original okay. one that they bring, is not evil, but all of his little clones that come out of his back are evil. So, and they all want to become gremlins. So they trick Billy into feeding right. after midnight by breaking a clock radio. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Brutal. Oh, so they don't they, like, know rip out the clock. Yeah, so they like rip out the clock radio and like he looks at the time and he's like, oh, I guess it's only 10 p.m. I can feed you. Meanwhile, it's like 2 a.m. Oh, so you can feed them at like 10 p.m.? Yeah, you just can't feed them at midnight. They must love daylight savings. That's what I'm saying. Big so when does them. the clock reset? I don't know. I would guess sunrise, but they don't address it in the film. It's kind of loose. I don't think they wanted to shoot themselves in the foot. It's, for te- it's always after midnight. That's soft magic. That feels like a tagline for a bar or like some sort of like late night food place. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> um, so, Jess and Mason, how do you guys know each other? It's an intricate. How do we know each other, Jess? Little, little web. Um, it's such a complicated was, story, <laughs> you know. I was on. I was on the sketch team with Sasha in college. Sasha knows Mason. From yeah, from um, high school, or growing up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then our improv team. So the Santa Barbara improv team and the Cal Poly improv team, which Sasha was also on, used to duel. And one time Mason was dual. What's the word? Uh, so we, those two, I don't think those two teams ever did anything like comedy sports or like a face off type thing. I think we just did oh, shows maybe together. That came like, yeah. And I want to speak on that. Cause there's at one point an invitation that was sent out to UCLA to join that. And I was so excited because a lot of my friends from high school went to Cal Poly and then your comedy club just mm. canceled it. So I felt very slighted. What are you talking about? Smile or not smile? No, sorry, not the nightcap. Smile and nod. I meant like your comedy club is in like. Oh, I don't. Your collective that was Cal not Poly. my team. Oh wait, Jess, we did we did do a show in Santa Barbara at least once where where the Cal Poly improv team was doing like a like a fake gimmicky competition with the UCSB one. Maybe so maybe we did that a couple. Thinking. I don't actually it remember anything. It might have been anything. that, or maybe after. You graduated, but before I graduated, improbability came mm. to Cal Poly. And okay, did something, yeah. But um... the the cliff notes is in any case is that I did comedy in college, and so did Jess, and we had mutual friends, so it was just a yeah. matter of time. Yeah, because did you guys move out here at the same time, or I moved out here in 2016. Okay, I moved out here. Jess, you're 2017. 2018. 2018. Okay. Yeah, okay. Pretty, pretty much, much. Yeah. similar. Um, I remember I met Mason at a Halloween party. I think. 
Spooky. Right after right after Bree's grad show from Smile and Nod. Right before I was about to leave the country for a while. So you must have seen me when I was quite distracted. Oh. Wait, but... when did you leave the country? <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. I don't... Uh, I lived in the Dominican Republic for six months. Whoa! There's yeah. a lot of crazy birds there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, but see, I didn't know you yet, so I, I had no capacity to appreciate them or clock their existence in the first place. But yes, I'm sure there was... I mean, there was a lot of cool like wildlife and, and nature. Yeah. It's funny that you say that you didn't check the birds because you didn't know me yet. Because you've known me before I was into birds, too. So I feel like... Oh, really? Uh, I was. I used to be a normal person when you first met me, I think. Okay, you didn't always used to be this way? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I do think I brought Dewey to a barbecue, like, once during COVID time. Yeah. yeah. So it would have been... I guess I didn't fully register that you had not transformed into your current form yet. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is I was, fair. Just, I was just me being me back then. Okay, Bef- before your identity was taken over by birds. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mason, what is your history with birds and or birding? Um, it's pretty thin. Um, <laughs> I I uh, when I was like a little kid, I would go on bike rides with my dad. My dad is very like encyclopedic, and uh, although he's not like primarily a bird watcher, he likes learning a little bit about almost every kind of science. So, um, yes. when when I was like a literal child going on bike rides with my dad in the Bay area, we'd sometimes cross into a lagoon and he would like vaguely point out kinds of birds. I only really remembered the like easy to remember kinds like great blue herons and uh, great egrets and snowy egrets and stuff like that. And then, and then I, you know, teleport like 20 years in the future and now I'm here today. And that's pretty much my entire birding history. That was in San Francisco, right? Yeah, San Mateo. Uh, and oh, Foster San Mateo, City. sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I always tell people San Francisco because, like, I don't actually want to find out how detailed people's, like, experience with Bay Area geography is. But <laughs> mm, yeah, that's I grew fair. up in San Mateo. Okay, nice. Jess, you're that's... from the Bay, too. Do, do, do people, like, typically know what where you're talking about when you say your hometown? No, I'll say Livermore, and people go, oh, okay. And I say, kind of like by Pleasanton, Oakland, and they're like, oh, okay, Pleasanton, I know. I'm like, I've heard of how those. Do you not yeah. Know? <laughs> Well, Mason, yeah. <laughs> I think anybody who grew up listening to Can Be Our Sports Radio knows where San Mateo is, because famously that is one Great. of the locations of um, our friend Shane Company, our friend of the yes, Diamond Yes, your business. friend of the Diamond Business, yeah. 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 Well, that's every yeah. radio station in the Bay. Yeah. Well, not, also right. not, just, not just the Bay. I grew up in, I didn't grow up in the Bay, and I know all about you know, okay, San Mateo, what? Cupertino, and Walnut Creek. I know, but <laughs> I'm saying, you said famously on sports radio, and I'm saying... Every station. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah. Whatever. We're not here uh, to fight. We're, well, sometimes we are. And that's I'm okay. kind of here to fight. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where are you from, Dewey? I'm from Merced, which is about um, an hour, okay. an hour and a half, two hours mm-hmm. like inland and a little um, south so, of you guys. So you still do have a reason to listen to like the Bay Area oh, radio Oh, yeah. My ecosystem. dad's a big Giants guy. So, okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Because like, if you were just from like, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of the country and you, you knew yeah. about Shane Company, I'd be baffled. I'm from <laughs> Nebraska, but I'm really into regional jewelers. So that was right, uh, right. Specifically <laughs> West Coast me. ones. Yeah. Yeah. I know that here in Los Angeles where I now reside and as we do um they there's like a whole different set of like radio memes yeah. uh and I only really know about Keys on Van Nuys. Yeah, Keys on Van Nuys is a big one. Is you're killing me Larry? Is that an LA thing or like a countrywide thing? <laughs> I've never heard I don't of know it. What that is. Never heard the guy you know the guy that's like crazy Larry Match or something? 
There's like a mattress store, some sort of store, and like it's one character named Larry who keeps offering deals. And then this other like bereft, haggard store owner who's like, you're killing me with these deals, Larry. We're going to run out of business. It sounds enchanting, but I've never heard it. It sounds a little It's just like this. Okay, you get it, right? It's like this store owner just torturing this poor man who's like freaking out about the uh, well-being of the company. Maybe they should just lower their prices. You're flaying me with these deals, Larry. (laughs) That would be fun if they get into real torture stuff. These deals are like an Iron Maiden, Larry. You're spilling my blood. What's Iron Maiden? It's a made-up torture device. Um, you ever seen like a thing? It looks like a sarcophagus, but it's full of like points. Yeah. Yeah, it's not real. It was like made up by like some museum to be like, look at how crazy the medieval times were, and like nobody noticed. Why like, would they do like, that? Like, they all years. slept in these. Yeah. Wait, why would they do well, that? Just, I I think to drum up business for their museum. I think. I can't remember. I think it was just so people would be like, oh, cool. And that was Yeah, right? It. But, but there's that great... You oh. think they didn't think of that back in the day? I I don't think so. Why not? Like, historians think they didn't. Hmm. It seems like, a pre- it seems like an easy, easy thought. I mean, maybe like one person did, but it wasn't like a widespread thing that had a name. That's so weird that they would pretend that it was. That was weird. Um, but I think we both remember that wonderful scene from Scooby-Doo and the Boos. Is it Boo School? What was it? Not Boo School. Was it Boo Ghoul School? School. Ghoul School. I was thinking of Scooby-Doo and the Boo, Boo Brothers, which is a different thing. Uh, Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School, where uh, they make lemonade by squeezing the lemons with a little tiny plastic Iron Maiden, which was fun. Yes. Wow, that takes me back. Jess I and I, that. yeah, Jess and I, growing up, we all had crushes on. We both had crushes on. I think all of the cat, a lot of the cast members in that. Yeah, pretty much. I think you Did liked you the ever... pretty one, and I liked the pretty one, the tomboy. I think. I like. Wait, I didn't like the pretty one. Is that what you're saying? No, you like I. You liked the pretty one, and I think I liked the pretty one and the tomboy. Um, I would have to look them up again, but I'm. Okay, Mason, kind of do you have any familiarity with Scooby Doo in the Ghoul School? Uh, only Scooby Doo in general, and okay, you're you're not talking about the the. The mystery crew or gang or whatever. No, this no, is a so specific there's... spinoff of just Shaggy and Scooby, and they go to, um, like a like a, a boarding school. A school for, for girls. Girls, but they're all, um, monsters. So like, one's a mummy, one's a werewolf, one's a ghost, one's a okay. vampire. So I was gonna yeah, ask we mean, we... yeah, the vampire lady or the girl. But yes, to clarify, we mean <laughs> actual like spook. I know, I know. Well, we were kids at the time. It was okay. We don't like them now. Um. <laughs> But uh, to clarify, we mean actual monsters, not like monsters in the way that all teenage girls can be evil. Hey. Um, anyway. I taught high school. I think I can. I think I can agree. Are you a teenager? <laughs> yeah, I'm a teenager. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, but there were a bunch of Scooby Doo like one-offs with just Scooby and Shaggy, and usually Scrappy and sometimes um, Daphne. But uh, there's like Daphne Scooby Doo and the Boo Brothers, Scooby Doo or Scooby Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf. There's a few. I only knew the most basic Scooby Doo media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then there was one movie I saw where Scrappy was the villain in the end, which I, I remember as a child being like, I don't find that very compelling. I believe that you're talking about the live action Scooby-Doo. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was awesome. Yeah. That, I think uh, Freddie Prince Jr. was in that. Yes. Yeah. As F- Fred. Yep. Uh, uh, a surprisingly horny film, because, um, which was fun for me as a kid. But uh, how could you not be with, with the, the cast? 
Yeah. I was telling I was telling you guys on the nature walk that I watched She's the Man last night for the first time. Yeah. And that is also well, it's not like the whole time surprisingly horny, but but it, it kind of just suddenly sharply dips into surprisingly like more grown up kind of humor or themes yeah. or or whatnot at certain points. Um yeah. particularly being like, if you're a boy, where's your dick? And then like like challenging a teen boy in an extremely public venue to uh, uh, drop his pants so everyone can look at his dick. Um, which was a move I was not expecting from an otherwise pretty like upbeat, casual like kind of Amanda Bynes teen flick. Or You know what I mean? Yeah. That crowd, that crowd didn't say anything. No one in that entire soccer stadium that was just jam-packed with fans even blinked when when I mean they they blinked at the part where they're surprised as to like what genitals these children have but they they didn't blink at the notion of like what is even happening in a more general sense you know yeah because this is, is this high they were school like or oh my god they're all in high school okay so it's like a crime yeah what doing um Look, I don't know what like a DA would say about what happened in <laughs> She's the Man, but yeah. I do know that that it could not have been ethically perfect what was mm-hmm. happening. It's a good movie though. <laughs> uh if if we just disregard the last like 2 minutes of what I was talking about, I would give it like an 8 out of 9 out of 10. It was yeah. good. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it. You got to see this movie. I've seen one part of it. I- I this is good because I spent the last like I spent like half of this banter session just feeling quite uncultured and living in ignorance and now uh, I get no. to just because I get of to task you with watching the, well, yeah well and and, and, uh, and Scooby Doo Ghoul School oh right yeah. well I mean that was from like the seventies yeah. or eighties so you can't really we're lucky I bet that you we guys know fewer that. Chinese children's cartoons than I do though I bet so speaking of what was some of your favorite Chinese children's programs you grew up watching uh. <laughs> The, one comes to mind immediately, which is um, you could translate it to the Adventures of Pee Pee, <laughs> which is like a little boy right. named Pee Pee. Great. Um, and the whole premise is it's like fun, very silly, like very short, like you should be a good kid, not a bad kid kind of mm-hmm. Uh, little stories, but it's not like it's not like morality tales or anything like that. And there's, it's like I wouldn't call it straight up like propaganda or anything. It's like why yeah. you should brush your teeth and not not brush your teeth, or like okay. uh, why why uh, in one and this feels very Asian to me. Like in in one, like PP like falls asleep outside without a jacket on, so he's like sick now. Uh, <laughs> Wait, is then, he like sick like, forever? Like that's just <laughs> he just like oh yeah, PP's sick now. Sorry. It's like I don't know. Like I don't know if this. I like I. I don't know how general how how much I can generalize this. But in my like personal experience, like the idea of like wearing a jacket and not getting sick is like a really big point of Asian emphasis on like how you tell kids to behave. It's something with uh, old people in America too. Like my dad would always yeah, be right. like, "You can't walk outside after working out, or you'll get sick." I'm like, "What? That's I'll right, be fine. right, yeah." Um, there's one episode I remember where he like. 
you know, I think the gist is that he like won't stop eating cookies and treats at night without brushing his teeth before bed. And I think his teeth like essentially unionize and leave his mouth. And he's like scarred upon waking up to realize he has no teeth anymore. And then he like goes and finds them where they're like hiding out and they like tell him off for not taking care of them. And like he like can't make peace with them and have teeth again until he like gives into the union's demands. <laughs> I love a kid instead of taking away that he should brush his teeth being like, man, fuck unions. Are you kidding me? I'm gonna be <laughs> no, I, I like I like the I like the weird workers paradise that his mouth needs to be. Yeah, so that was gonna answer my question <laughs> if it was more like fantastical or realist, but it sounds like it's pretty fantastical. I think I'm overemphasizing the strike part too. I really I don't, know. don't I think I love there the idea any... of like the sides meeting is like, okay, we'll compromise on flossing, but we yeah. need you to start using fluoride. And it's like I'm not. It's using really fluoride. not. It's definitely not actually mapped to workers' rights at all, yeah. and I don't think there's any political undertones that I can recall. But yeah, uh, it's how I remember it. Anyway, so at no you know? point, like, there's no point where like PP assassinates a union boss or anything. Not that I remember, okay. but maybe it's an episode I haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. You know, it's been a while since I brushed up. Oh, same with PP. He hasn't brushed up either. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. He does all kinds of naughty stuff. The premise <laughs> is that PP kind of sucks. He's like he like does every. He does everything a kid is not supposed to do. It's kind of like a Caillou. Like he's, a, he's a sweet boy, but he's like a fuck up, you know? Okay. And like all his all his instincts are, are bad, you know? Oh, poor Pee-Pee. I'm sure he grew up into a nice kid. Or a nice he adult. He turned I out mean. fine, yeah. I bet. Good to know. Jess, do you have any fun? What were your favorite cartoons growing up? Oh, I liked Cat Dog. Rugrats. SpongeBob. I've never seen Cat Dog, but it always looked very bizarre to me. <laughs> it is. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, hey Arnold. Okay. You know. So you were a little Nickelodeon is. girl. Yeah. Oh, and then like when I was younger, younger, I really liked Powerpuff Girls. Okay. And my parents used to do this thing where they would say it wrong on purpose, and then McKenna and me would correct them, but get really angry about it. So they'd be like, "It's the Powderpuff Squirrels." And we'd be like, no, it's the Powerpuff Girls. And it was like. Which one did you identify with? Um, I think as a kid, I wanted to be Bubbles, but now I'm definitely Buttercup. Yeah. Like in a major way. <laughs> yeah. What'd you like about Bubbles growing up? Um, I don't know. I guess I just liked that she was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you aspired <laughs> to be stupid? She was like, just like a, she was so sweet and like. Just kind of like happy to be there, I guess. And Likeable, unpretentious. Like, no thoughts, just so vibing. Cranky. Yeah. Buttercup is cranky. That's not wrong. I know, but I really, I really identify with her now. I had a crush on Buttercup. I see it now. Uh, who, who would you, who do you believe we most align with, Jess? Dewey's bubbles. Dewey's bubble. Okay. Um, and I would have to make you blossom. I mean, I feel like but you also can both I think be bubbles. Tracks. Okay, great, great. Perfect. Like in a yeah. vacuum, even if you hadn't said what Dewey is, you'd still give me Blossom. I think so. Blossom cool. has a lot of like good leadership skills and like. Oh, I actually don't really know anything about Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> uh, thank you, by um, the way, for calling red... me Blossom oh. and not Fuzzy Lumpkins. I appreciate that. Oh, you're the actually the Rowdy Rough Boys the entire thing. Oh, I'm all of them. <laughs> but specifically, yeah, just that scene where the oh. Powerpuff Girls put on makeup and the Rowdy Rough Boys are too horny to fight, right? <laughs> yeah. You're Mojo Jojo. Yeah. Um, I also really like Totally Spies, which is another brunette, redhead, and yeah. blonde. So yeah, I had oh, a bit, okay. I had a gigantic crush on the Totally Spies growing up. 
as you can imagine. I bet you did. Yeah. Anyone yeah. in particular? No. The Burnett. Just, 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 just. <laughs> they're, they're, they're beautiful women. That's all I needed. All. Yeah. All, all of, of the above. above. Okay. Uh, as fun as this is, we should get into the birds because we're already 30 minutes <laughs> in. Uh, so, Jess, why don't you go ahead and read off the list of birds we saw today? We saw bush tits, house finches, cormorants, uh, bullocks, oriole, uh, California two shit. Is it Tui or it's Toey? It's Toey, but we love and support you. Okay, okay, we're gonna cut that bit out. Uh, Bullocks, Orioles, California Tuies, Snowy Egrets. Fuck. <laughs> okay. It's so funny because Jess is so good and talented. It's just the one thing she always gets wrong. <laughs> gotta write it phonetically next time. Um, California Tuies. Wait, how are you spelling it? Wrong. Because it's supposed to be T-O-W. Are you doing T-W-O? Is it Toei? Yeah, that's... <laughs> what did I say? You've said Toei every time. time, and I think it's because you're doing W-O instead of O-W. No, I'm selling... I'm putting O-W. Oh, and you're just still saying Toei? Yeah, I, I can't help it. I don't know what's going on. Oh, no. Toei. You might be psyching yourself out and thinking it's unintuitive when you when you come across it. Oh, yeah, we got a phonetics and linguist expert here. So, Mason, if you have any tips. <laughs> okay, uh, one, more, uh, one more The tip would just be it's, it's what it looks like instead of anything clever, you know? Okay. Jess, we here at the podcast still love and support you. I don't know if you should. <laughs> um, California... Toey. Yes! <laughs> Snowy egrets, great-tailed grackles, spotted toey, lesser goldfinches, Canada geese, mallards, brown-headed cowbirds, song sparrows, turkey vultures, great blue heron, red-winged blackbirds, barn swallows, Anna's hummingbird, uh, some swifts, morning doves, and a northern mockingbird. And to clarify for the swifts, that was a misidentification on my part. It was actually northern rough wing swallows, so that was my mistake. Oh, um, tragic. Okay, yeah, no, it's okay. It was my fault. But yeah, I, there there are an like an in like a surprising amount of spelling errors in this list. <laughs> yeah, well, you're writing them fast because we can talk about it today. We saw a lot of stuff. It was crazy busy, so there's a lot of distractions. I feel like I was spoiled. We, you really were. It was one of our best like sessions that we've had. Um, so actually, let's get right into it. So we saw that snowy egret. Um, so what do you think about the snowy egret, Mason? Oh, I like them. Uh, my, it's one of my dad's favorite birds. So it's like one of the only ones I looked at and went, I know what that is. And like all the other ones were a mystery to me. But uh, Yeah, because you had a memory with your dad with that. He would point out the certain behavior. Oh, yes, yes. So... Um, you know, disclaimer, I'm like nine in this memory, yeah. but I think what I remember correctly, hopefully, is that snowy egrets have a feeding habit where it like one of their methods uh, for drudging up um, the kinds of like feet fish and bottom feeders that they like to eat in the water is that they'll like strut and stomp around in the, the shallow mud. Uh, it's still like underwater, but like the very shallow water. Yeah. Uh, to try to stir those things up and 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 uh, so they can pick at them easily instead of like having to like bury their head in any of the mud or anything like that. So uh, if you see one that's like looking downwards while doing its like 
strut and stomping extra hard like that's what it's doing interesting yeah i it's something that i've seen them walk around like that but i had no idea that there was a purpose behind it i thought they were just like gangly and weird so it's cool to know yeah, there's they'll purpose. strut regularly while like looking ahead but they'll stomp extra hard and look down specifically when they're doing it for food and the snowies do that and the great white ones don't so jess what do you think about the egret um i thought it was really funny how it walked yeah <laughs> yeah very funny looking it's a very silly guy yeah, so we saw that snowy egret, which was a lot of fun. So in L.A., we typically see two types of egrets. Well, we see the snowy egret and the great egret. And something I learned today is that egrets are technically part of the heron family. They're, um, they're part of the heron family. So there are different species in the same family that include, like, herons and um, different egrets. And I found that out because apparently these guys will, like, breed with herons and make little offspring, which is wild. So you could be out in the forest and, like, see a little blue heron and a great egret having a baby, which is pretty cool. Um, do those babies tend to present as one or the other? I don't know. I'm going to try to see. So I'm going to show you guys via eBird. Whoa, this guy looks weird. Um, I'm going to show you guys right now. I'm going to share my little screen. There it yeah, is. So, there it is. I like that. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. So you can see it has that egret head, but it has the heron eye. Heron And then it gets that heron, and yeah, coloring. that coloring on its feathers. And notice, too, the legs. It looks like the legs seem to be heron legs because... Uh, as we know, snowy egrets, for the most of the year, they have that sort of greenish-yellow coloring on their legs um, until, I believe, when is it, the breeding season? Where did it go? Yeah, so... I like that bird. Yeah, so they have a greenish-yellow feet for most of the year, but at the height of the breeding season, they get a rich orange hue. But this guy seems to have those gray-blue heron feet, which are really cool. So yeah, if you guys are ever on the lookout and you see a weird bird, it may just be this weird little hybrid. You know, there's... Was there any chance at all that that's the heron we saw today? Because, like, no. The pictures that I have, he's a lot whiter, but he did look a little different, right? Yeah, he just looked a little whiter than I'm used to blue herons looking. Yeah, well, no, he was not a blue heron. He the one. Oh, you mean the blue heron we saw today? Yeah, the one that we only really saw from the back, and you said that it looked kind of weird. Oh, I mean, there's a chance. So there's a chance that maybe it was part blue heron and part great white, um, or like um. Um, great great egret. egret that there's that chance um but that's a good question i'll have to let me google right now and see if we can get a look at that because i i remember both you and me thought it was like the right size yeah, but it looks and different. like it did look different so i wonder if that's like one of the ways it looked different to us like subtly i don't know let's see okay you know what so i'm gonna share my screen again I think it was what we I think what we saw today was a great blue heron, but this guy actually looks pretty similar, so I could see where there where that could look like it. Yeah. So yeah, it looks pretty similar. I don't think that's what we saw today. I think what we saw today had the great blue heron like uh stuff on the head that ours doesn't have, head. but this is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I'm delighted also that we're starting with this like heron egret thing, the only two birds I know, because I, I feel like it's it presents me as like belonging on this yeah. podcast a little you more. You do belong on the podcast, Mason. You're yeah. a, you're a good person. That's all it's that great. matters. We're not supposed to have people that know what they're doing. It's uh, we teach you shit. Okay, great. Yeah, but yeah. No, this this guy looks really cool. Um, I'd love to see this in the wild. All I remember is that my dad likes herons and egrets because he always thought it was very impressive how far they can go with just like two flaps of their wings. Yeah, they're big you know? guys. Um, I, like they'll they'll glide for like extremely long distances with a very countable amount of flaps yeah, of right? their wings. They just 
they just go. I love watching yeah. them fly too because they're so beautiful when they're standing and they're so gangly and awkward when they move. It's a real fun juxtaposition. <laughs> it's they don't like yeah, moving either. It's like seeing some like the hot person from your high school like sneezing. It looks so funny. Um, I don't know if that's <laughs> what. No, yeah, we were all thinking okay, it. Okay, I'm not yeah. good with similes and metaphors. Leave me alone. Um, no, it's okay. a good one. It it just I think it just carries more undertones than you might have meant to yeah. communicate. Well, let's move on to Great Blue Herons while we're talking about it. So we didn't get a great look at them today, but Mason, what do you typically um, think about Great Blue Herons? What do I think yeah. of them? I like them. They're they're um, you know and anything anything that I have fond memories of my dad liking tend to like too. Yeah. Uh, there there's a lot in. Um, Foster City, where where there's like, I lived on the border of San Mateo and Foster. Oh City my god! I, I thought that you were saying that you consider San Francisco your Foster City because you don't want to identify with San Mateo. I didn't realize no. that you lived <laughs> in Foster City. That makes more sense. I I lived near I lived in San Mateo near the border of Foster City, and so sometimes we would go biking, and like when you bike into Foster City from where I was you'd bike through the lagoon of foster city and the lagoon always had a bunch of great blue herons in it. So, so, um, my, I mean, it had like a lot of birds of course, but, uh, the, the ones that stood out the most were great blue herons and my dad would always point them out. So I like them primarily for that reason, but like bird reasons that I like herons are usually that they're, uh, not in these enormous flocks and they're very big. So you can feel like you're getting to, I don't know. There's there's something more uh, I want to say personal yeah. bull about it because you're like it's like you're hanging out with an individual <laughs> who's like yeah. who's got a lot of uh, uh, like very visible traits you can yeah. see. You know, no, totally. And they're very chill. They're, they're very. Chill. I like that they're chill. Um, so we talked about them in flight. We talked about them being big. If you had to guess how much they weigh, what would you say? Oh God, I, I have no concept of how much they would weigh. Uh, Jeez, I'm like I'm like worried about saying a number that seems ludicrous as soon as Trust I say me, it. But like wrong. I don't know, uh, like forty pounds. <laughs> Five to six. I'm gonna, wait. Oh fuck! I'm sorry. <laughs> what were you going to guess? I don't want to guess now. I'm sorry. I didn't. I was looking at a different okay. window. I didn't see that you were going to guess. It's okay. If five to six pounds, and I guessed forty or forty. Okay, but they look like they'd 50. be forty pounds. That's crazy. How, how big would they have to be to be the size I just quoted? <laughs> yeah, they're five to six pounds. I'm sorry I ruined your life, Jess. Um, they're five. It's okay. I could pick it up. <laughs> yeah, you could, and you could beat it in combat. Yeah, they're five to six pounds because I could absolutely beat it in combat. Oh yes, yeah, so Mason... how much is a hawk weigh then? Uh, I don't know how much a hawk weighs. I'll look into that later. Uh, Mason, Probably on our like previous episode, we played a game where we um, had to guess what the other person thinks they could defeat in combat, and Jess was very confident in her abilities against a lot of birds. Um, you said no to 30 pigeons, um, but yes to a hawk, yes to an emu, yes to an egret, <laughs> or a heron. I just feel like a bird has to do a lot more work to kill you than you do to a bird, right? Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I I said I think that the hawk could easily beat the crap out of me. I you know It has a whole other has a whole nother plane of battle that it can access, but we don't have to relitigate. This. I think, I think, I think if I was fighting a bird, it would be better at fighting than me, but I'm just too big and they can't do any of the things that instantly kill a human. And I, that I could, I don't want to picture myself killing birds. I think either, you could pretty way. easily I'm smush a, big, a bird. <laughs> I'm a big wildlife fan. Um, but you're right. I could totally smush. Yeah. A bird. I'm very big. In <laughs> yeah. 
Like life or death, you could you could do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I but see, this is just how my brain works. Like I instantly pivot to what I must have done to enter a life or death scenario with this bird. And I just can't even fathom my own transportation. We had a we had our previous yeah. guest discussing this, pictured that we were transported to some sort of alien arena and fighting for their entertainment. So feel free okay, to Okay, so it's like a bird gladiator. Yeah, that was their idea. Um, shout out to Kelby. So what's cool about these guys, on on their chest they have these specialized little feathers that are sort of like powdered down sort of texture. They're like very like downy feathers. And what they do is the reason that they grow these specialized feathers is because they will use those to clean off their claw. So like if they get like fish slime or like oh. other oils or gross stuff on their claws, they'll like rub them through those feathers and clean it off, which I think is really cool. So they basically have grown their own napkins. Do the feathers like, I don't know, shed more easily? Yes, they somehow, have they have to like... shed because otherwise they just be covered in goop. Um, but yeah, so they exist right, to like right. they exist to like fray and like shed um just just to sort of act as these disgusting uh you know, the sort old of handkerchiefs. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Um, and if we have any listeners in Florida on the East Coast, you might be familiar with the great white heron. Uh, the great white heron is a great blue heron that has a very specific genetic mutation where it has um, white, where it just has pure white feathers, so it looks like a great egret almost, which is really cool. So we also saw the Bullock's Oriole today. Um, what do you guys think about the Bullock's Oriole? It was the talk of the town, man. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we did see a, um, some other birders who were on the hunt for that. The bell of the ball. Yeah, we yeah. saw we saw about three um, other birders dressed in... <laughs> Sometimes I think, like, I'm going a little hard with, like, my little sun hat and my big-ass camera, but they were in full camo. Um, they were. They were really decked out to, like, not be seen by the birds. Um, but, yeah, we ran into some older birders who really wanted to check out that... Gri- that uh, um... Oriole. Yeah, the Bullock's Oriole. I love that thing. I wanted to put it right in my mouth. <laughs> it was so beautiful, and it looked like like um, rainbow sherbet, sherbet, yeah. whatever it's called. Brilliant coloring. Yeah, so beautiful. Yeah, so we saw the male and the female version. What did you guys think about those differences? So the male was the more you know sherbety oranges we saw, and the female is more that yellow orange. I think I liked the 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 female, the yellow the yellowier one. Really, what you like about that? I don't know. It just was a maybe it's just the one that I got a particularly good look of. Sure. But I I I saw her like like flapping her wings, like and right. I got a view of like her back and the underwing and like it was a cool pattern. It was bright yellow. Yeah, and we saw uh, her yellow and black bit very too. stark. Yeah, because so the difference is the the male is sort of black and white and orange, whereas the female is that yellow orange and more of a gray than the orange. There's some pretty distinct differences there. I, I also feel like it might be a bit of a hot take because I feel like isn't it true in the bird world that like the males typically are like the more colorful? Yeah, uh, and it's actually a big problem because of that males are typically better researched and like better understood. So um, a lot of issues that plague female birds just aren't really understood. That sucks. Cause that's also how it is in human world, human world. Yeah. But I did like that. They, that the, that the girl got to have some color this time. Yeah. She's still beautiful. So fun fact about the Bullock's Orioles. When we see them, it means it's breeding season. So when it's breeding, they spend their time in America, but all the other times of the year, they're in central America and Mexico. It is pretty good to fuck here. I can, I can, <laughs> I I don't blame them. Yeah, we love fucking in America. <laughs> so wait, they 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 mate in America, and where do they go after? Then they go back to Mexico and Central America. So they're, yeah, they're technically yeah. from here, but that's where they live uh, for most of the year. So 
if you want um, to attract these guys to your bird figures, attract them to your house, they're big nectar birds. So a lot of birds are seed birds or bug birds. These guys love nectar. They love juices. So what you can do is get a little jar, fill it half up with water, half up with grape jelly, stir it around, and that'll attract them. You can get some fresh orange slices and put them on a dish in water. You put the water there so it doesn't attract ants. Um, then they'll um, come by and eat that. If you are going to do that, though, home bird watchers, just make sure you do it before they migrate. Because if they fly by and they see you don't have the oranges, they're not going to go. So you want to make sure you have them ready beforehand so when they see them, they won't pass over your house and they'll see it as a place to stop. Um, so It's like a reverse gremlins situation. Yeah, you want to feed them before feed midnight. Them or no. Before midnight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, you also want to feed, feed the mogwai before midnight, too. Because then they turn into right. gremlins. Right. Not to mogwai explain on the pod. The Bullock's Oriole is... A little bit like that. Yeah. Here. Yeah. I did it. You did I, it. I and we're all so proud yeah. of you, Mesa. Do you think they'll come to our neighborhood? That's a good question. We don't have a ton. So they like to hang out in like big brushy areas. Um, and we don't have a ton of that that's not like in between buildings. So I think they might have a tough time getting to like, oh, not to dox us, uh, getting to the parks nearby. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, who knows? I, I know so little about this. Like, is it common to like try to attract specific birds into your yard because you like them so, yeah. with like certain kinds of it's like, not, feeder contraptions? It's not something that I do, not something that I'm an expert in because I live in an apartment and have no control over that. But people that have like backyards yeah. really love to personalize their gardens, attract certain birds. So they'll put out like hummingbird feeders or like specific nectary flowers that'll attract hummingbirds. They'll build specific bird boxes that maybe a swallow would want to live in. Because like I, I, the, the idea of like getting a little feeder and mixing water and grape jelly, like I could totally see myself doing that if it brought oh, yeah. the right kind of birds. Well, I feel like you know? you're, I feel like your neck of the woods is a lot more suburban than ours is. So I feel like there's a better chance of yeah, you definitely. doing that or getting somebody I'll, that can live back I'll there. I'll see, I'll see who I can bring over, you know? Yeah, just... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like if we did that here, we'd just get a bunch of rats, uh, which is fun. Yeah. I, but I, you know, that might also be my result. Yeah. So. so like I said, these guys fucking love nectar. They love the sweet stuff. Um, and the way they eat is called gaping, which is a gross word to describe it. So what they do is they will literally, and they do this to both fruit and to caterpillars, they will shove their beak inside, like penetrating it. So they'll like stab through the caterpillar, stab through the orange, open their mouth, and as the juices like seep into their mouth, they'll just like br- like lick it up with their quote brushy tongue, according to allaboutbirds.com. So they literally would just go, um, which is really funny because they are such cute birds, and this is the most disgusting way I can imagine to eat anything. It just doesn't feel like that's necessary. Yeah, right. Sometimes, like, <laughs> yeah, there's other ways to do it. Can you imagine if you're on a date and somebody's like, oh, one second. <laughs> Maybe if the date is going well. Wow. Right. Okay, let's mark this one for like, your parents. That's kind of like what to. you would maybe do. I don't know. <laughs> that is not the worst joke. You don't have to give up on I, that. I that was a fun joke, Jess. That was a really good joke. I laughed. <laughs> Thank you. What's cool about um, I mentioned that we see a bunch of different kinds of Orioles out here, so it's not just the Bullock's Oriole. Sometimes we get like a hooded Oriole and stuff. And the hooded oriole is known for the way that they nest, which is weaving nests out of palm tree material. So they'll go into palm trees and like sort of weave nests out of there. And that was something that I thought was specific to hooded orioles. But it turns out Bullock's orioles do something similar. They also weave their nests um, out of like plant fibers and bark and tree grass, but also like hair and moss and stuff. So it's cool to sort of see the way that 
certain animals build their nests. Because when you hear bird nests, at least I do, I think of like, oh, they're going to put a bunch of twigs together. Um, so it's cool to see this more industrious, like very artistic um, approach to building that stuff. I'm just excited that they're the bell of the ball, you know? Yeah. Like I, I'm, uh, I'd never, I've never been birding really. And I've never, uh, seen people have such an obvious preference for one of the birds there. Uh, we were like all talking about it. at one point, at one point, Dewey, you like put down your stuff and, and asked us to watch it while you went and like ran back <laughs> to like, go find the other birder that we passed many minutes ago just so you could go tell them that there was an Oriole over here so you could, like, help divert their, their quest. Yeah, they were well, they were looking uh, for it. I want to make sure they saw it because they asked me about totally. it. No, yeah. it, was, it was a great move. I just was like, oh, I didn't realize this level of commitment was, like, reserved for specific birds. Yeah, no, people love like, to see, uh, um, especially if there's a rare they species. They can't know about this. It'll go to their head, you know? <laughs> those, those, that group of birders also seemed pretty excited about the cowbirds. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. should talk about the cowbirds. That was fascinating to yeah, me. Yeah, so what did you guys think about the cowbirds? They were cute. Oh, I just thought it was... In- oh, yeah, they're cute. <laughs> Very cute. Uh, I thought it was insane that they're smart enough to wear, like... This is a fun fact Dewey told me, uh, which is that they're nest hunters, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they, they fuck with other birds' nests. And they're smart enough to wear, like, if you see a nest you shouldn't look at it too long in the presence of cowbirds because they'll clock that you found a nest and you're basically highlighting a target for them that they were not previously aware of. So like I said, I may have conflated things when I was explaining that. So the birds you got to watch out for in terms of watching a nest are corvids. So those are your blue jays, your scrub jays, your um, ravens and stuff. Those are the guys that are going to watch you and like if see if you're clocking at a or see if you're looking at a nest, clock that and then go attack later. That's not what brown-headed cowbirds do. What brown-headed cowbirds do is called brood para- parasitism. Any guesses on what that is? Uh, they. Oh, sorry. Were you about to guess, Jess? Mm, no, I know a brood is like the family, like the bird family, only because of. Um, What's the musical called? One about the ugly duckling. The ugly duckling. Mm, no, there's a name for it. It'll come to me. Okay. Uh, so they eat the family. No. Any guesses, okay. Mason? Are they one of those birds that like ha- has a hatchling like within another like set of hatchlings? Yes! Like, there's just w- one bird among them that just isn't what the parents think it is. Congratulations, okay. Mason. Yes, All that right. is... Sorry, Jess. That was one, two, and I'm sorry, Jess. Honk. Yes, it's that's 100% right. Sorry. No, oh, go ahead, Jess. No, can do take it back to congratulating Mason, and then I'll do my thing. Okay, congratulations, sorry. Mason. that was so rude. <laughs> no, don't be... Don't, but be yes, no. Don't, don't be sorry. It's not so rude. Yeah, you were 100% right, Mason. So corvids are the ones you got to watch out for in terms of nest watching because they will go in and eat them. But brown-headed cowbirds will lay their own eggs in a um, nest and that will you know, cause the other babies to die because that one baby is taking up all of the food and resources. And because of this, these guys are directly implicated in the decline of um, like multiple bird species, including Kirtland's warbler and black cat vireos. Um, so it's actually a big problem. So the, the, the cowbird baby will overly demand food and the parents of the other bird species will oblige yep. and starve their own Weird, because think about it if your birds are survive or evolved to survive so if there's one baby that's like clearly like 
stronger and larger and bigger, they're going to want to feed that baby because that baby is going to be the best chance to pass off their DNA. They don't realize it's a different right. um, bird. But there are some ways around this. So there are some birds, like the yellow warbler, for example, they can tell which ones are cowbird eggs and get them out. Um, the only issue, though, is some of those birds, like that yellow warbler, are too small to move the eggs out of their nest. So they'll have to build a new nest on top of it um, and like kill that egg and then hope the cowbirds don't come back. Um, there are some that like puncture the, like, the eggs and like throw them out and stuff, but most of the time they just don't even notice that it's in there. And also, um, the big problem is that the eggs also hatch faster than the other species, so they even are born before the other birds. Um, so they grow, mm. they grow faster, they hatch faster, and that's how they you know sort of get big enough to toss out other eggs or you know smother them or something. So it's fucked up. That's sad. So yeah. birds can't recognize yeah. their own kids. No, I guess not. I mean. Baby birds look disgusting. Like, you're not really going to be, like... They're kind of hard to differentiate. And, like, they don't recognize them from the egg state. And I think, like, unless they somehow evolve to recognize... They're not even going to be thinking, Oh, somebody else put an egg in here. Like, the... That really... That puts a pretty dark twist on that book, Are You My Mother? I feel like that's kind of a theme in nature, though, is that animals that I find, like, cute and and admirable in a Disney princess kind of way... uh, like the more you like learn about them the more it's like oh there's a lot of like espionage and murder yeah uh and like oh this this bird like like we saw the cowboys but like oh they're fun i like the i like their coloring and they're they're cute or whatever and then like we you know they 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 don't even parent their own young yeah. you know that sounds yeah. like and they don't, sounds they like don't they just kind to. of uh right uh they just have their young eliminate other bird nests. Speaking of like espionage with animals, do you guys know where George R. R. Martin sort of had the initial like inspiration for Game of Thrones? Medieval times. <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah. But so he first started <laughs> had his idea around that kind of story. He had turtles growing up, and he would like pretend that they were like hatching nasty plots to like kill each other and like take land and stuff, <laughs> which is like so weird. <laughs> I have uh, my my roommate. Um, oh right. Her like family has tortoises, and they do fuck each other really? up. Really? Like, yeah. One of them. Um, so there's the the oldest one is like a eighty something year old female, yeah. and had a mate, a similarly aged male, and then they had. Um, babies and then when those babies were like teenagers or or like 20 somethings or 30 somethings or something um they murdered the boys murdered their dad by tipping him and and they'll because the what they'll do to like kill a rival is they'll tip them and then they'll park themselves right next to them so they can't flip back over oh my god And they'll just sit there until the tipped one is dead. And that's what these two boys did to their dad so that they could mate with their mom and have another uh, litter of baby tortoises that they now have again. So, like, there's there's baby tortoises uh, in their household uh, once again. I think that is a nice. horrifying story, but I do think it's fun that as brothers, they worked together to kill their dad so they could both sleep with the mom Instead of, like, killing exactly. each other so only one of them could sleep with the mom. So I guess there's a silver lining there. 
Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe only one of them did in the end. I, I actually, you know, that wasn't my follow-up question. It wasn't uh, who's fucking here? When I heard this That wasn't story. your follow-up question? It, yeah, it wasn't like, well, did they both win? It wasn't like that. <laughs> um, that's not where... I, I don't know. I guess I, I... See, the thing is, like, again, like, they're cute. They're tortoises, right? So you're like, oh, wow. I like turtles and tortoises or whatever. And when I see these baby tortoises, my memory is completely wiped of these facts, and I do like them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but uh, it is a sobering reminder that uh, the animal kingdom is it does not work in the Disney princess way that I like to imagine they do. And it is more like Game of Thrones. Yeah, when you said the turtles would kill each other, my first thought was, well, how do they do that? I feel like they're not designed to. And never would I have imagined that all they do they is are. just tip them over. <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> they do. And it's also like they, they, they murder like in a like a slow way. Yeah. They're very patient. I mean, they they're have like, to oh, be. I'll just sit here until this other one's dead. Can you imagine yeah. being a, a tortoise with ADHD? What a nightmare. I'd ro- I'd flip myself over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I already have ADHD. Same. And uh, the, the, but the part where I'm not a tortoise really saves me here. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm always saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just one of I'm just one more step along that, yeah. that path to to being really fucked here. Any, but but I yeah. I'm my saving Anytime grace. Anytime you feel frustrated with your ADHD, you go, well, thank God I'm not a tortoise. <laughs> at least I know, at least I, know. I have that. I, it's like I still won the lottery in a way. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um. So we also saw a bunch of red winged blackbirds. What do you guys think about the red winged blackbird? Awesome. The flashers. Yeah, the flashers. Yeah, because we got to see one doing a display they, for a potential mate today, which is really cool. He was doing his little song. He's sticking his little arms out like so. Um, so, Mason, what did you think about that? Was that the one that was really horny that you were telling me about? Uh, no. So, that was the, the spotted toey. No. So, we can talk about that, too. We also saw a spotted toey. Um, so, previous guest Jessica Svensgaard has mentioned that a lot of tiny birds are very horny just because like that's the only way they can survive they're so small they're so easy to become prey that the only way their species can live on is by reproducing constantly so their brain is like half built mm-hmm. for like being horny just, just mating. mating yeah um so that's particularly true with the spotted tohi who spends 70 to 90 percent of his day just screaming for a mate just singing to try to get somebody to mate him and it's very funny i mentioned i think last episode the episode before he puts all this effort into finding a mate, and then as soon as he gets it, he's like, well, okay. Doesn't have much of a purpose anymore. Yeah, he's like, okay, well, I did the thing. Time to time to die, I guess. Oh, do they um, do they just die shortly after? No, that was a fun little ad-lib from me. Uh, oh, okay. You may not know this. I have right. a lot of improv training, so. Great. I was just sort of, if this is true, what else is true? Right, right. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. The red-winged blackbird is the one that transported me into talking about um, she's the man. Yeah, why was that again? Oh, because um, She's the Man kind of inexplicably has this, like, plot point that includes flashing tens of thousands of people. Right. uh, To show your, I guess, phenotypical merit. uh, And and that that felt similar vibe to what the Red Winged Blackbird was doing. Yeah. Except I had more respect for how they were doing it, and I wasn't creeped out by it. Yeah, because they're 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 adults, so it's not a big deal. Yeah, they're just doing they're they're doing things that I think are appropriate within their culture. You know, I was thinking about that, and um, she's the man is famously based on the on Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night. 
by William Shakespeare. And I wonder if they I wonder yeah. if they did a lot of flashing in Shakespeare's version. Uh, they they didn't because of the amount of like m- like males playing females in oh the, right in their productions. So well, that probably would not be. I think that, I think that was a uh, mid two thousands haha plot point rather than a a, <laughs> a William Shakespeare era plot point. Yeah, wasn't Sex Drive based on Shakespeare too? I, I don't, don't know, but the girl in Sex Drive is in She's the Man. Oh, very cool. What's Sex Drive? Uh, Sex Drive is almost the exact same plot as Eurotrip by the same people. It's uh, Jess, you've seen Sex Drive. How'd you, how would you I've seen say it millions is? of times, unfortunately. <laughs> Jess loves Sex Drive. Um, I, I honestly don't really remember it that well. We only talked about it because it, was, it showed up on Jury Duty, and Dewey knew the whole plot, but I can't remember any of it. Yeah, so basically, um, somebody goes to... Um, Somebody sends, like, a sex tape or, like, a sexy video to, like, a girl he has a crush on, and then, like, he freaks out about it, so they have to go on a cross-country road trip to get to it before it's delivered by mail or something. Okay. That's kind of Eurotrip, I can tell you the plot of Eurotrip very easily. We open on um, a high school party. No, um, in Eurotrip, <laughs> the guy, like, gets cheated on by his girlfriend really publicly and embarrassingly. Okay. And he, compl- he decides to go on a trip to meet his pen pal, Michael. Um, with his best friend, who's like the horny character, and like his best friend, who he's in love with, um, and she's in love with him, but they don't know. Um, but it turns out the pen pal is not Michael, um, and um, they find that out after the pen pal confesses feelings for uh, the main character, and because it's a mid two thousand teen movie, he's like, "Oh, gross! A guy likes me!" Bleah! So uh-huh. he like, like he like sends like this horrifying like letter back or like, email back, being like. How could you? You're disgusting. I have no interest in you. And then they learn, oh, it's not Michael. It's like Mikhail or something, like some like girl name. And it turns out it's actually a girl. So they have to drive to Europe to talk to her before uh, she gets the letter. They have to drive to Europe? Or they, have to, they go to Europe and they drive around. And at some point they have sex in a very funny scene. They have sex in a confession booth. And the Pope is like, what's your sin? And then like it's an ass pressed against the wall, which is really funny. So are these movie. are these movies good? Sex Drive and Eurotrip? No. Uh, I saw it once when I was fourteen. It was I funny saw then. Sex Drive maybe like six times when I was thirteen, twelve. Because my girlfriend and I, I saw... have been like trying to find like dumb comedies to to pivot these to are on our like, honestly like movies. yeah these are more like these are less she's the man and more like made for American Pie. teenage boys American yeah. Pie mm. style. I would not. We did watch The Hangover recently, and it, it, I mean, okay, like, I don't think it doesn't work because it didn't age well or something. Like, obviously, there's plenty of stuff that doesn't age well. I just don't think it held up that well because, like, a lot of that stuff just isn't considered widely culturally funny anymore. And I just found The Hangover less funny than I thought I was going to. Um, Yeah. Conversely, Bridesmaids holds up. Bridesmaids is good. I love love Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. Yeah. A lot of the bits in there, I foresee staying funny for a very long time. Uh, and the only part I didn't like about Bridesmaids was, like, how shoehorned the love plot felt. But I'm sure that was because... With the pig? Uh, with the... Yes, exactly. Cop? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I was picturing an animal, so I was I like, was I don't I remember like... that part. Yeah. <laughs> Me neither. Um, yeah, she, like, falls in love with a cop, and it feels very uh, external to the rest of the movie. So it feels like it was grafted in there by someone who insisted there was, like, a cheesy love plot. Yeah. And, Same uh, sounds like there's not like... enough cops in this movie. 
<laughs> I it also kind of feels that way with her entire back like it feels like she needed a backstory which was she used to make cakes and then they kind of like too sad. they were like remember she makes cakes like every now and right. then in the movie yeah a lot of that stuff to me felt very pasted in by someone mm-hmm. who wasn't very pastry in who, who, nice uh who who uh because Kristen Wiig wrote the movie alongside like two other writers or something and I think she did an interview where she was saying that like the first iteration of it was like way weirder and like had probably more bits, less story. And I kind of wish I saw that because like, the bits I, I thought were fantastic. That. Yeah. Like, and the probably the, bar- really... the Barb and Star version as opposed to the Judd Apatow version. I, I just felt like the story really contained the, the the all the substance and story parts just felt really phoned in because they were like so generic feeling. You yeah, know? I will mm-hmm. say I love Rose Byrne. I'll watch her in anything. She rules. She's you... great in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Barb and Star? No, I want to though. But I've oh heard God, great so things. Good. Oh, one last thing. We saw the the double crested cormorant. What do you guys think about the cormorants? I liked um I liked how that their nesting was like really really obvious and easy to look at, even if you're yeah. You know, big so every time we've seen cormorants like on the podcast, they've been like in the water swimming around. But what's cool about <laughs> is they have a little nesting spot. So they have these big ass trees where they sit. It's almost like a truffle tree situation with these like They're giant like. Yeah, these, like, giant, bushy, like, nests. So it's really cool to sort of see them all hanging out in this tree. We also got a good look at the great-tailed grackle, right? Oh, mm. right, the great-tailed grackles. What do you guys think about the grackle? Pretty. Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> it was really fun. We Jess and I were trying to figure out the binocular issue, and then we turned around, and Mason was standing, and a bird had chosen him. And he's just sitting there yeah. looking yeah. at the great-tailed flew, grackle. Flew right, right at me, landed right next to me, and just was hanging yeah. out. Not yeah. scared at all. Probably the most fearless bird today. Yeah. They walk funny. It to me it it doesn't look natural. It looks really uncomfortable to them for them and it would it looks like the equivalent of humans walking with skis on. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it looks you weird. Say yeah. That. yeah. I think you mentioned that it, it looks it, it looked to you almost like their walking style was so uncomfortable it almost made you feel like they should have arms but just don't. Yeah. yeah, and that's why they walk so funny. Yeah, yeah. There's no way like to balance that. them. What do you guys think about those feathers on the great tail grackle? By the way, very Gorgeous. pretty. I thought they were like blue at first, but then you pointed out that it's more like an oily sheen kind of thing. So although they are bluish, like it's they kind of they'll they'll kind of evolve in color the longer you stare at them. Yeah, so grackles they're like um, they're like certain kind of blackbirds. They're like European starlings in the way that they are primarily black, but they have that sort of like fluorescent sheen you see on like oil sometimes where like it's like also simultaneously rainbow in a way which is really cool Uh, but the color you primarily see shown off is that blue that shines through um we mentioned this before there are technically no blue birds any bird that is blue that is not pigmented it's a trick of our eyes with the way that the light is reflected through their brown feathers so green birds are green red birds are red yellow birds are yellow but blue birds are technically not blue it's not a pigment it's a reflection which is really cool. Does that mean there's a context in which you, you would see the same bird and not think it's blue? I think so, but I don't know if that would work with the way that the light from our sun works, but I don't know enough even, about it. Even scrub jays? Even scrub jays. Just blue is so, not a naturally occurring pigment in birds for some reason. Like, this, would this persist if you just took the feathers out? Like, if you're just looking at the feathers I think that alone? is a thing. I think if you just look at the feather in a certain way, it comes out brown. But don't quote me on that, science people. Whereas, like, the green and red feathers would just look green and red no matter yeah, what. Yeah, because they're, so that that's pigment. It's not the light. So, 
Wow. That's, that's a, a that's yeah. crazy. That yeah. that's a very crazy fun fact. It's yeah, so fun spe- it's hard to accept. Yeah. Um, but speaking of those feathers, I think I may have mentioned this before on the podcast, but grackles are one of the early human introduced species. Um, so what's cool about grackles is they are from northern um, South America and Central America. And uh, the Aztecs back in the day loved their beautiful fluorescent black feathers so much that they pers- that they purposefully introduced them into the forests of Mexico, specifically so they could harvest them for that fellows or those feathers for like decorative and ceremonial use. So because of that, those guys have thrived. And now these creatures that were once from like South and Central America now um, are at home as far north as Wisconsin. So they've really spread out and made a name for themselves. So if you guys haven't seen the great cell grackles, they're really striking to look at, not just because of those colors, but the shape too. They're shaped exactly like a blackbird, you know, maybe like a small crow. They're just these little blackbirds, yeah. but they have these beautiful giant tails that really look like a, a sort of fan behind them. It's why they're called the great tailed grackle. You mentioned that they're behaviorally assholeish. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are big assholes. They're very territorial. We talked about it before. They're kind of they love eating bugs a lot to the point that they'll eat dead bugs off of license plates. Um, so they're a lot of fun. But uh, much like the um, red-winged blackbird, they make crazy noises. If you listen, they make a lot of like clicks and like hisses and pops, and like almost like machine like whirring noises. That's really fun to listen to. Even up that they're territorial and dickish, like kind of I think loosely got us talking about. Like I brought up camels, and then also at one point I know that Jess wanted to pet a Canada goose until we sort of you know reasoned out that they're probably not cool with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not an episode goes by where Jess doesn't want to pet something. Yeah. Well, I agree. I, I back you up completely, Jess. The Canada goose we saw today was very fluffy looking and very calm looking. So, yeah. And, and swam pretty close to us. So it was very tempting to just be like, who's a good boy, you know? Totally. Well, as we wrap up, Mason, what was your favorite bird we saw today? You know, it's so basic, but I'm going to say the Oriole. The Bullock's Oriole was, was probably, I think the hype is justified. It's a good bird. Well, it's a bummer that we're recording remote because you and Jess could be holding hands right now. Because Jess, what was your favorite bird? It was the Oriole. Oh my god! Well, well damn day. Jess, next time we see each other, we're just gonna have to hold hands. It's yeah. just how it is, you know. Yeah, we'll make up for this. Yeah. Wait. So, what you guys love about the Oriole so much that it's your favorite? It was so beautiful. And very easy to admire, you know. And like, there was a preciousness about it too, because like, oh, it was. It wasn't always. Uh, just standing in plain view for you to to take in so you had to like really keep your eye out for it and if you ever saw like a like a very quick flutter of like gold or orange in your eye you had to like really committedly you know try to get a glimpse of its majesty you know yeah it was it was almost like the oriole itself was like proving its like um specialness rarity yeah it was like forcing you like you can only look at me on my terms and i'm gonna make sure that i'm special (laughs) to you like i'm always either hiding or flying right by your head because yeah there was also like a like a gag of oriole fans like looking (laughs) for it all day too a bunch of oriole groupies yeah what was your favorite dewey um i think my favorite's always gonna be that oriole but i really liked seeing a brown-headed cowbird that's one i had not seen before so that was a fun Whoa. even though they are destructive little assholes um it was fun seeing a bird i hadn't yeah. seen before so it's cool to i get think that the lifer. funnest fact award goes to the the cowbirds even if yeah. it was like in a way misleading it was probably the one where i felt like i learned the most yeah but cowbirds you're on notice knock it off uh find a way to survive yeah. without <laughs> and, destroying uh, anything else and then like an honorable mention has to go to the big 
heron that we saw because oh, yeah, the great blue i will heron. always like herons and egrets yeah and who yeah. knows maybe it was a hybrid we will never know um yeah. awesome hybrids are big right now um well that leads us to our next question <laughs> uh the question that's on all of our minds mason would you go burning again yeah yeah definitely i i already like love wildlife and I already like doing outdoorsy stuff. Yeah. Um, I I wish the way I liked outdoorsy stuff was like highly geared toward like hiking and exercise, but it's kind of uh. not. So, uh, like, I it's more of a nature appreciation and the calmness of being outside of a city kind of place. Yeah. That draws me to it. And LA and, uh, and the LA area has a surprising amount of that green space too. Like, I you wouldn't think like that place oh, we went beautiful. to is just right off the highway. And, like, it's, like, a completely secluded. When I first moved to Los Angeles, like, one of the first things that people would tell me that, like, is completely underappreciated about L.A. is the, the, like, very enormous amount of, like, uh, wildlife reserves, um, nature preservations, and, like, places you can go to hike. And it really doesn't feel like you're in Los Angeles whatsoever when you're doing it. It's crazy. Um, and, you know, today's birding location wasn't, like, up a ridiculously tall hill that no. you then a sweaty mess after climbing. I do like those from time to time as well, but uh, they don't really get me out of the house sometimes because <laughs> they feel too daunting. So yeah. birding is, like, a great way to indulge in what I like about being outdoors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to go mammaling, too, sometime as well. Yeah. Mm. I love I love the furry friends as well. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get any time to talk about Herbert, but uh, we'll talk about Herbert in the future. That's my dog, and I will always talk about my dog. <laughs> I love Herbert. Um, Herbert's the center of my life. <laughs> well, speaking of things you want to talk about, that leaves us with our last segment, which is plugs. So, Mason, do you have anything to plug today aside from Herbert? Uh, sure. I mean, not not much at this exact time. Uh. There's a like I'm I also run a little podcast uh, with my old roommates where we just kind of uh, mimic our old living room conversations. We like play stupid games we invent on the spot for each other and uh, uh, just talk about whatever's going on in our lives. It's just like a friend group hangout thing. We've been for three years. We're called the Threesus Podcast. So what? Um, Threesus. It was like a really Jesus with a three. Thing. Like Yeezus with a three, like like E Z U S is our podcast name. Uh, and where can is that like, on all platforms? Where can we find that? Yeah, it's on all platforms. We're right. uh, we're a Spotify affiliated podcast now. Um, Whoa! Congrats. If you uh, so if you like follow our Spotify feed, we'll sometimes like release um, like video episodes because that's their like feature, and we yeah. record at their studio sometimes. Cool. Um, if uh, if you want to like hang out with three sweet silly boys who kind of just like it just kind of feels like you're hanging out with a friend group uh go listen to that uh i'm coming out with a a, a tv pilot that i've uh that that i've produced that jess was a big part of as yeah, well yeah wasn't i i think i remember jess weren't you uh what was your role um i would say like production coordinator assistant ish i think just wore a lot of give, hats mason will give me a lot more credit than I, I, deserve, I I'm I literally going to let Jess decide what she wants her credit to be, but I would, I would go as far as assistant director. Uh, yeah. Be, because uh, just, just a lot of imp- very important things for that. But I've been, uh, we, we shot it a year ago. Um, it's been in post for like nine months or so, and uh, it's almost done. And so I'll, I'll definitely, awesome. 
uh, shout that from rooftops when it's ready, but it's not ready yet. Yeah, so make sure to keep an eye on that, folks. A lot of uh, current and future guests on that, so keep your eyes. Yeah, peeled. it'll be called Bad Atmosphere, and maybe Ooh, one yeah. day it can go in the links for this uh, uh, whatever this episode is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other have... than that, I make videos on YouTube and TikTok, and that's kind of it. Great. Yeah, I have seen a cut oh. for Bad Atmosphere, and it is wonderful. So I can't Whoa. wait for it to be officially done. Yeah, yeah there's me, a photo from that shoot close. on Jess's fridge. Beautiful. Oh yeah, beautiful. The picture of me and Brie. Is it of you, Jess? Uh, it's mostly of Brie. It's mostly of Brie. Okay, you're which in I it love. though, right? Yeah, um, and I have the slate, which is like <laughs> which I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my biggest role on uh, the, the premise... on the set was slate queen. <laughs> slate queen. Yeah, and you were slate queen. I listen for your voice every time I'm rifling through footage, so that I'm not wasting <laughs> my time. Uh. Uh, the the premise of that uh, it's a TV comedy uh, set inside a fully enclosed Earth atmosphere base, uh, simulating what life on Mars would be like. Cool. Well, we're excited to check it out. And it's mostly improvised. What's the deal? hundred. All the dialogue is improvised. Wow. There's there are no lines. Uh, so uh, large portions of the story and one hundred percent of the dialogue are all improvised by the actors during filming. Okay. Well, very cool. Uh, Jess, do you have anything to plug? Mm, no. Uh, <laughs> great. <laughs> well, once again, I'm going to plug SELA, our wonderful Neighborhood Homelessness Coalition. Feel free to volunteer, send some money our way. Uh, check us out at SELA NHS. Not SELA NHC. Nope. Yes, oh, SELA NHC. Okay, yes. sorry. <laughs> sorry, it is SELA NHC, not SELA NHS. NHS being the National Healthcare Service of the UK. SELANHC.org is what we need to go on to uh, sign up for shifts. And then also, I'm going to plug our podcast. If you got friends, feel free to share it. We're 28 listeners from getting $15 a month from Spotify. So please, please share us so we can get those extra 28 listeners. Um, but yeah, awesome. Well, Mason, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm going to leave everybody with a... Ah! Ah!